welcome to the All Overs podcast, and I am your host, Casey. I thought this episode, or at least today's episode, would be uh, a good way to introduce myself and really let you guys, uh, the audience, my listeners, get to know exactly who I am and why I'm doing this, uh, just like it's a good introduction episode. So, as I mentioned, um, my name is Casey. I I live in the Texas area. Um, I've lived primarily throughout the Texas area. And I have had the privilege of really studying psychology, um, more so like the mental health area, the counseling area. And based on my background and based on my experiences, I thought this podcast would be really beneficial, um, mostly primarily for me as like an outlet to talk to other people, but also for for people to relate to experiences that I've gone through or, you know, just to really discover another person's perspective. And especially uh, for me coming from a really mental health or counseling background, I can share some insight on my life experiences and others who share with that. uh, We could really like analyze it, go back and forth, really get into the nitty gritty of what it means uh, to be a person now. So as I said, my name is Casey. I live in the Texas area. I was raised in Texas, um, mostly on the west side of Texas, which most Texans would probably wouldn't even consider that Texas. But now I primarily live uh, in the east Texas area. I used to live in the central Texas area. So I can fairly say that I've lived in most of the major cities of Texas. And uh, the reason I mention that is that plays a big component of how I am and who I am today. So a brief like general introduction, uh, 25 years old, uh, I just graduated with my master's in clinical psychology, specialization of neurology, and that with my internships and everything else has really kind of molded why I think the way I do and has really drawn this fascination to help other people, to study other people, um, to analyze like why we do what we do. And me being only 25, like obviously that's limited exposure to what life has had to offer. Um, but in my 25 years, I've, uh, I can say that I've, I think that I've experienced quite a bit. So I got my master's in clinical neuropsychology and um, that whole journey was uh, a doozy to begin with. So I do want to tell anyone else out there who is interested in psychology, who really wants to study that area, um, just like anything else, you really, really have to be passionate about it. But that passion doesn't just come overnight. And that's something I really had to learn when I was going through college. I had the privilege of going to college um, at Texas State University, and the faculty there were absolutely amazing and really shaped and molded to the person that I am today and uh, the demographic of people that I really want to serve. But initially, and I've told many, many people this, that I did not want to study psychology in any sense of the word. Um, my only exposure to mental health was personal. And that personal experience really uh, kind of casted a negative light of what this uh, field of work 
really does. So having that personal experience, the initial reaction was like, God, I would never want to be a counselor or a psychologist or um, any of that stuff because I had my own bout of problems and God forbid I would uh, want to listen to anyone else's. And it's funny to think about because now it's the complete opposite. I would absolutely love and cherish to um, be privileged to hear other people's issues, you know, their daily life issues or anything related to that and try to help them or at least help them change their view that they are capable of overcoming those obstacles. But uh, going back to Texas State, I originally was a pre-med major and I think most uh, most psychology majors can tell you they probably didn't originate as a psych major. Um, I was pre-med. I was dead set on that from high school. Um, I was very science heavy, science forward. Um, I loved uh, anatomy and physiology and biology chemistry not so much I will fully admit that but being naive in high school I thought oh I don't have to use chemistry or any of that kind of stuff and I also thought in college it would get better because I'm taking specific classes for pre-med and for most pre-meds the assumption you have in the very beginning is that um, I have to be a bio major and I have to do all the prereqs for uh, medical school and then prepare for the MCAT and all that stuff. Um, well, all that stuff is true um, with the exception of the major. So at Texas State, I was a bio major for a good three years, almost three and a half years. And I was narrow focused and steadfast. That is what I wanted to do based on the small notion that I like science. Well, that really uh, kicked my ass when push come to shove. And I started taking more science classes uh, because I was a bio major. And then uh, evidently I was also a biochem uh, minor because I needed those prereqs for medical school and why would I want to pay for courses uh, or take elective courses that were outside of the degree plan of uh, medical school so those seemed like the most logical choices at the time but yeah it just didn't work out to be quite honest and that's okay like as I mentioned before before you have to be passionate about it from the beginning or at least develop a passion for it through either classes or um, outside experiences like organizations or volunteer work or um, shadowing like all that stuff and um, I I was pretty certain until uh, I had the opportunity to shadow all these different doctors and really see uh, behind the curtain of what it means to become a physician. And at that time, I was leaning more towards like obstetrics or dermatology, which are very, very different uh, specialties with, uh, within medicine. But uh, I had the grand opportunity to do like this fellowship for medical students or pre-med students and uh, got the opportunity to go out of the country uh, for like a month and a half and that outside experience outside of the United States really showed me that it's not all that it's cracked out to be and uh, while I did enjoy it while I still find science and medicine fascinating I love learning 
I think that's what was really uh, distracting me was my love for learning uh, I thought could excuse me into trying to push my way towards medical school. When I got back from that trip uh, from out of the country, it was a pivotal moment of my life where I really was like, I don't want to do this. Like I was there with other pre-med students. We all had different uh, pathways. Um, some wanted to be MDs. Some wanted to, some wanted to be DOs. They just seemingly, I just felt like they had their life more together than I did. And at the time, I thought I had everything, uh, like all my T's crossed, all my I's dotted. And then when I met these people and was really exposed, I had that fork in the road like decision on are you serious about this do you want to go through with this and I didn't uh sadly I did not so that was when I really when I spoke to more and more physicians and realized that you don't have to be a bio major you don't have to be a chem major you don't really have to major in anything scientific you can major in things that you like and still go to medical school I kind of took uh, not a jump off the cliff, but at least a jump off the ledge, essentially. So I then changed my major from biology to psychology because the psychology classes that I took as electives, I really enjoyed, but didn't really know how that would lead into a career path. And so I wasn't fully committing to changing my life trajectory because I figured if I can major in psychology, like I still have the courses that are required for medical school. I was like, eh, it won't be that big of a deal. Well, the more and more psychology courses I took and the more psychology faculty at Texas State that I um, talked to and saw the career path, I realized that medicine was leaving my, like, end goal. And so stopped, stopped planning for medical school. I stopped... Um, I had taken all those prereq courses, but I figured that all that learning and all that exposure could help me and could really uh, explain why I'm now switching to psychology and really looking towards a direction in that area. Uh, also to add, like I had research experience, that research experience also like bolstered that I enjoyed research at the time not jumping too forward ahead but at the time I loved research and I had an internship in memory care facility and working with uh, working with patients with dementia of various degrees and figured I can do the best or at least output as much effort in psychology as I would in medicine so still treating people but in a different capacity so in my senior year is when I was like, I'll just get my master's. Didn't really want to get my PhD because um, still very unsure of the career path of psychology and was talking to more professors and really settled on clinical psychology where I am today, where I now have a master's of science in clinical neuropsychology. Well, I wanted to specialize in neurology because I loved that that specialization within medicine and I discovered that when I was out of the country neurology was just 
it, it had that scientific backing with the theoretical perspectives that I really enjoyed. And I was so grateful that I could find like the best of both worlds. And so fast forward a little bit, I applied to my master's of science program, got in and then COVID happened. Um, just like it, in everyone else's life, it kind of like uprooted it. My master's program was now hybrid, but not really hybrid. We had to do it virtual because of the restrictions that our country implemented, rightly so. And so I was the first class out of many that got to do their master's program for the first time online. In the beginning, it was very enjoyable. I thought the transition from undergrad to graduate would be more demanding, more uh, laborious, uh, overwhelming. But thankfully, the first semester was pretty uh, generic. Uh, Maybe that's not the right word, but pretty uh, getting us accustomed to the workload. And even now, all I can say comparatively from uh yeah graduate uh to undergrad is that graduate school just like writes a lot more and that is a warning to anyone who is thinking about grad school no matter the program you have to enjoy writing or you have to learn to enjoy writing and have some good fundamental skills on how to write um, how to be eloquent with your words, how to really explain, because you don't just do, um, like research papers, which most, most master's programs do, but uh, even with like my master's of science, like we still had reflection papers. We still had to do, um, case notes and other things that require thought that's not just scientific and based and if you don't enjoy writing I it's not that I wouldn't recommend grad like grad programs it's just you'll have a really really hard time um, getting over that hurdle and grad school they do not help you it's it's very hands-off they do not baby you in the slightest and I guess that's another like uh, characteristic of grad school that's very different than undergrad is like you're an adult you're going to classes or your classmates are not just like 20 year old like 18 to 20 year olds anymore like majority of my classmates were like 26 or older or sometimes they were adults that came back for uh, like continued education and with that like vast age difference they're going to throw you into the deep end and expect you to survive because that's why you're doing it. You signed up electively, you signed up for this workload, and those expectations are warranted. To present day, I successfully but painfully finished my master's of science in clinical psychology with specialization in neurology. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And uh, funny enough, when I started this program, I had no idea what that really could lead me towards I knew it could deal with research if I wanted to or it was like a stepping stone to PhD programs because I know a lot of people in master's programs will evidently go to PhD programs and so I figured I'll figure it out within the two two and a half years that most programs are and in my program, we had the opportunity to also counsel people. And counseling, 
as I mentioned before, was not even a, a blip of a thought when I first started this. And now as I am like a couple months out of graduating, counseling is the only thing I want to do. And research and assessments and psychometric stuff, like all very interesting, but definitely something I don't want to do. And the same thing with the PhD program. I learned a while ago, you don't have to do one. You can, you're more than welcome to do one, but that requires money and effort and continued uh, dedication. And my master's program really put into perspective that for counseling in particular, I can't say for any other area of psychology, but for counseling, you don't really need a PhD unless you want to do research to, I guess, impact uh, more people outside of your local area by all means. But by even then, like if you want your PhD, I think you would have to be practicing like having clinical experience for at least a decade to then go back to develop a thesis. And um, because right out of master's, like master's students newly graduated, are st- we're still babies. Like we still ha- lack experience. We still lack exposure to the real issues of our local areas and like what demographics we're going to serve, what um, what theoretical orientations we're going to use, um, what issues we're going to face while a lot of us have a general idea of like what we really want to do when we graduate, like that's still a work in progress. And that's also what I've discovered is that life or academics is a work in progress. So if you can relate to this or at least relate to navigating like our career or like what our future is going to look like, it's a work in progress. Like we have to give ourselves grace. Like even the supervisors that I've spoken to, supervisors, professors, like they're still like discovering like different things of uh, our area, of the field of psychology. And I, I really enjoy that because like we need to learn and grow as we develop more and more. And so regarding today, like I said, sorry for the tangent because this, I, fair warning, this podcast is mostly going to be tangents for me. Um, but so I'm, I'm dead set on counseling is what I've concluded. My experience in my master's program, I had the opportunity to internship at uh, children advocacy centers, at my counseling center, and mostly working with like children, adolescents, and like young adult, I've really discovered that that is the demographic that uh, feeds my soul. And I feel like I can make the most impact. Not that adults are like horrible to work with or absolutely not. It's just they're hard. In my opinion, they're harder, which I feel like I'm the minority. Most people don't want to work with children, adolescents, and adults because you have to regress your approach a little bit. But adults, in my opinion, are so, or at least the adults that I had uh, worked with, they're, it, they're, they're, like, their behaviors are ingrained, if that makes any sense. Whereas children, adolescents, young adults even, because they're still, like, on the precipice of adulthood, they're more able to be malleable to adapt their maladaptive behaviors and 
while it's still difficult because counseling is not easy in any sense of the word it's easier to I guess progress is is quicker because um, they can really rationalize unaware to them but they can rationalize like oh let's build healthy habits right now so that when we are adults I mean like whoever is an adult really but when we are adults or have to be an adult um like we have those good building blocks and good basic skills that we developed as we we're little I hope that makes sense but um no yeah I I worked especially with children and like young adults I worked with uh trauma mostly so uh, PTSD work, um, related to trauma. Um, and that could include like sexual, sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, sometimes domestic violence, sometimes homicidal witness, uh, and, not only like physical abuse, like I definitely had cases of emotional, psychological and verbal abuse, especially with like the more young adults because they were in college and as we get older, unfortunately, that's uh, what we experience more and more. Not always, but you see more cases of it. And um, that challenge of trauma, which is kind of related to other mental health illnesses, such as like depression, anxiety, like ones that we commonly know of, those I like to think are not always byproducts, but byproducts of uh, trauma. And sadly, everyone is going to experience trauma some way, somehow in their life if you haven't already. And I mean, to be quite honest, those who say they haven't, um, they probably have. They're just not aware of it. And I, that's where we are now, is I want to do counseling. I want to serve that area, um, somewhere in Texas primarily, but I've noticed that central Texas and eastern Texas are heavily burdened with, uh, trauma. And I can't really put my finger on why, but I can just assume that, uh, because of the demographics here, because of the the median household income is rather low here and the exposure to more conservative ideals has really entrapped people on these gender stereotypes um, and kind of limited children and their parents' access to what it means to be safe and all that entails. And I can go further into that if anyone is ever interested because I find it absolutely fascinating. But yes, this area is especially riddled with um, those type of mental health uh, obstacles. And, and what I mean by that is um, either perpetuating the cycle of abuse or uh, dealing with anger issues or violence or uh, sexual promiscuity, um, all of the above, really. Those are all symptoms of all of these. And and as I mentioned, anxiety and depression can sometimes be product, byproducts of trauma. And so when you have those byproducts, in addition to um, 
all the symptoms of trauma related incidences come like uh, panic attacks and isolation and um, which then you know affects our self-worth and it's a, a whole clusterfuck of shit unfortunately um, but yep that's that's where we are today and so I am in the process of like getting my counseling license and that takes a while unfortunately um they don't really talk about it in our program which is unfortunate I don't know if that was just isolated to my program or if all programs are like that to where they it's not that they set us up for failure it's just when I graduated I didn't feel fully prepared on um other aspects of what it means to be a counselor and by that I mean like business-wise and like supervisor questions and how do you find clientele and how do you put yourself out there and like business aspects of it and maybe I'll learn that when I start my um, internship once I like obtain my LPC they call it LPCA Um, it's like an associate for an LPC until you're like fully licensed and in that licensure you have to you're you're under the supervision of a LPCS and uh, those supervisors have been doing it for decades and they have a lot of knowledge and experience on how to approach different things and um, that next chapter of my life I look really forward to um, like really witnessing what that will teach me because I feel like I've been exposed to quite a bit from my two internships just from like a year that I had while I was still in school. I will say the one benefit is that hopefully <laughs> then this is me saying it before I haven't like have even started it but um one benefit is I get paid so it's not like free labor as it was during school or class credit because there has to be some justification on why you're like seeing clients but um yeah so uh present day and that was a long tangent of uh where I am but yes I now have my master's of science and like I'm officially not a student and um it's kind of weird to say that because I'm in this purgatory area of school has been my life since you know you're six years old and not everyone gets their masters and I feel like a lot of people get their undergrad but I could just be living in the academic bubble um and thinking that everyone at least gets a bachelor's but I don't know if how true that assumption is but um yeah I've got my undergrad I or I got my bachelor's I have my master's now and like my question is what do I do next (laughs) like I get my license and everything but that's all that's like those are steps that I have to take and that's not really school like it's now I have to focus on like getting a job and navigating that world and that is so foreign to me that it's a little like well, not a little scary. It's scary. <laughs> like, like, I need to put it into perspective. It's scary. And being 25 now is very different than when, like, my parents were 25. And, like, navigating the job force and with our whole economy and all that nonsense. I'm kind of left in the dark 
but being left in the dark is what I'm used to. Uh, to give you more context, I am the eldest of my family. Um, I only have one brother, and um, so any older children can relate or at least uh, know that you are the guinea pig of life. You really have to trial and error everything and um unlike my brother like I don't have anyone to really rely on or seek guidance for um I guess I could look for a mentor but even like how do you look for a mentor like beyond uh like so like networking and all that stuff but even then people are very tight-lipped with what they will help you with and unfortunately I feel like I wish more people would be more forthcoming with their advice and guidance and mentorship but uh in my case it hasn't been like that so um yeah it's uh I can really only reference off of former classmates and like friends but even then like we're all on such different paths of our lives and not all of us um, or not all of them are like within psychology, so essentially it's a blind leading the blind. And um, but yeah, I uh, beyond schooling, which is a good part of my personality, um, I try to maintain somewhat of a social life. Um, I've also like discovered that as I've gotten older, like friends are all over the place now. Like there's no central location and I kind of miss that because high school was really I didn't know it at the time but really a time where I felt the most connected to my inner circle and now my inner circle is all scattered all over the place and they um I love them to death but I rarely rarely get to see them and that's no fault of theirs or mine it's just I guess that's the realities of being an adult is that your closest friends are not uh, geographically close to you. And I have the like occasional people uh, who are in close proximity who I really care and cherish for, but it's not the same. Like, uh, or like at least not the same as it is in high school of like, you get to know their parents, you get to know different facets of their personality uh, beyond like, class and um so navigating adult friendships has been rough <laughs> to say the least but uh that can be a whole other episode with itself because I have a lot of opinions on adult friendships and uh it's not good it's it's weighed heavy on my heart but uh yeah you know that's that's I guess what it is but beyond that um, I do have two dogs. Um, their names are Charlie and Olive, and they are the absolute love of my lives. And they are probably going to be my only children for the next five to ten years because, um, thankfully, uh, like uh, my family does not pressure me to uh, really have kids or any of that stuff. And a lot of my friends don't have kids, and uh, it's become more and more common for people, people my age at least, to to not want them which uh i appreciate because being a woman in today's society like we don't always want to have kids which is perfectly fine and i always like to say like in terms of kids like if it happens cool if it doesn't i would still be like the most 
satisfied person in life or at least for like my life but yeah beyond that it's just me my dogs um and uh dating casually but uh not opposed to anything serious and so um you'll hear about my single dim and the escapades that uh, are related to singlehood i guess and um but yeah that's that's pretty much me and not to like draw this out to anything further but um i think that's a good introduction to start off to really get to know me and as i put out more and more episodes you'll get to know me fairly well probably more so than most people that i'm close with um but yes i have a big mouth i have a lot of opinions i talk a lot um i talk very fast so um yeah if you have any suggestions or comments or anything you would love to hear further about like please let me know and uh before i go i wanted to do like this little section that might be fun might not i don't know if i'm going to keep it in for a long term but um i have like an extensive kind of random collection of music and I thought it might be fun or at least brought in other people's um, listening ears to like random music that I just so happened to stumble upon on. So today I have picked it's called Cherry Moya. I think that's how you pronounce it by Jordan Ward. Um, it's a good like layback, lovey-dovey kind of song. Um, for those who are watching or listening on YouTube, I'll put like a little uh, picture of like the album cover. And um, yeah, he has a really good voice and I just stumbled upon it. And I don't know, it's really easy to listen to, um, especially when you're like driving or you need to focus or work out, whatever you do when you listen to music. But yes, Cherry Moya by Jordan ward and so that will be the song recommendation for today like i said my name is casey and this is the all overish podcast um thank you so so much for listening and i look forward to you coming along this weird tangent journey with me and i uh, can't wait to have you next time Bye bye